Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Core Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Sestari, and this is the show where we are bringing awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. And I want to thank all of you who are tuning in for the first time and all of those of you that are returning. Uh, if this is not your first time, make sure you are subscribed. As if it is your first time, also make sure you subscribe and go and give the show a rating. We post here weekly, once every Wednesday, and we have some amazing conversations here and truly are just learning and journeying on this quest of understanding more about geothermal and, and all that it has to offer our world and our energy future. And today is no different. Have another exciting conversation headed your way and one that I'm very honored and humbled to be having today. And so with that, we have Guillermo Sierra today with us, and he is the VP of Strategic Initiatives at Neighbors as part of the Energy Transition Team. And so we're going to be diving in with him today just on what that entails and what all his role does and, and all that he thinks that geothermal can do and, and how Neighbors is going to play a part in helping advance it as a global energy source. So without any more of me talking, I'll hand it over to Guillermo and give him a chance to introduce himself, give us an overview of his career, how he got here, and, and what he is looking most forward to with uh, geothermal energy. I appreciate it, Nick. Uh, first of all, thank you for doing this. Uh, I think the world needs to know a little bit more about the power under our feet, if you will. Um, so this is Guillermo Sierra. I, I run a lot of our energy transition strategy here at Neighbors. I joined Neighbors in April of this year, five, six months ago. And previously, I'd been mostly an M&A banker, uh, primarily in mainstream infrastructure, energy infrastructure space. Uh, you know, one of the things that is attractive to me about the oil field services industry in today's world is I feel like um, we in the OFS space as an industry, and obviously we at Neighbors, have developed over time, over the last hundred years, effectively, a pretty interesting skill, namely the ability to solve really complicated engineering problems, developing the resulting technology, if you will, or systems, whatever the hardware systems, whatever that may be, and deploying it in scale across the planet. We feel that in energy transition in the world we are today, that is a skill that is highly transferable too. Uh, and, you know, we're looking forward to figuring out ways to put our assets, our expertise, our engineering capabilities, R&D, our world supply chain, whatever that may be that we have to play a part in, 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 in changing the world to some extent, right? We, we feel like um, the age of hydrocarbons, while it's not over, uh, it is also not in an expanding, in a dramatically expanding mode, and it won't for the foreseeable long-term future of this planet. We think the world is incredibly focused on trying to save its climate and its environment, and we're no different, right? We we are trying to figure out how to put these skills to work uh, in in generating, creating value uh, for our stakeholders in the future. Um, with that in mind, um, that's uh, that. So that that well, first of all, that thank you, Nick. That's that's me. That's a little bit of background on me, um, if you will. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's great. I, um, you know, I think that's what I honestly will move into next. In one of my key points of this show and the podcast is just the idea of how, yeah, oil and gas isn't expanding or growing in the capacity that it has in the last fifty years, um, but 
there has been a lot of learnings and a lot of technological advances and a lot of things that we have done in that space that have gotten us to where we are and have, have done a similar thing with getting us down a, a cost curve and understanding more about how to actually develop in a more factory sense instead of very high risk expiration, you know, that still exists in certain capacities. But, you know, with that, you, you touched on the oil field service side and, and how you guys are going to help play a role in that change. And so I, I want to highlight that and kind of touch on that of, of how, you know, you at Neighbors and your team and, you know, how you see geothermal and how you see your skills specifically at Neighbors helping to play a role in, in you know, advancing geothermal to be a glo- global baseload energy source. Absolutely. Well, look, I mean, first, let me start with the things that are not geothermal for at least 30 seconds. And, and part, of, part of it is, you know, in our evolution, in our investments in energy transition, we got to be thinking about those areas that are tangential to our business. We're making investments in hydrogen. We're making investments in energy storage. We're making investments in carbon capture. We're making investments in offshore wind. But one that is very, very dear to our heart because I liken it to, I liken it to, to really, uh, kind of the way I like to think about it, uh, at least in my, my mind, um, kind of like Netflix, right? We, we, we have to come up with a better mousetrap to be able to compete in today's world. And that's, I believe, to be our um, automation and robotic capabilities around our rigs, our you know, energy efficiency around our assets worldwide. That, that is just building a better mousetrap that allows us to effectively survive in today's environment, right? That's kind of Netflix effectively getting DVDs to your house relative to Blockbuster, you having to go to the office, to, the, to, their, to their store. Eventually, a key investment to Netflix continued survival over time relative to the alternative, if you will, was their investments in uh, streaming, uh, not unlike us investing in energy transition and clean energy and a lower carbon future. Eventually, there is a point where Netflix, to differentiate itself in today's world, streaming is not enough, and they start investing in content. And to me, that's a little bit the way I think about geothermal energy. Look, at the end of the day, there are only so many primary sources of energy in this planet. And um, to be fair, I believe that if we consider today's technology in today's world, what's happening, uh, and you can see it reflected in lately news around Europe electricity prices, wind and solar are part of the solution, but they're not the full solution, right? Um, you know, we, we ha- and part of it is not, not that we don't have the land mass or the energy capacity or the efficiency to accomplish a world where we can get everything out of solar and wind, but simply the storage necessary to be able to deploy that electricity on demand across the world, uh, whether there be wind or not, whether there be sun or not. Um, it, it relies on an inordinate amount of, you know, storage for electricity and energy. And storage ain't easy. It comes with its complications. Uh, it comes with massive amounts of mining, which is not necessarily sometimes the cleanest, uh, the cleanest activity. It doesn't necessarily get done in, you know, Benelux and the United States. It gets, it, it, a lot of, a lot of the minerals get mined in Africa. A lot of the minerals get, you know, processed in China, Russia, and the like under conditions that are just not the same as if it would be done in other places. So, you know, we, we need to come up with a solution uh, that provides us with a base of power, right? 
We obviously don't have any expertise when it comes to nuclear energy, but we think it's incredibly efficient. Um, On the fission side, it's something we've been living with for a long, long time. It works, but as you know, there's some regulatory constraints and challenges, and it takes time and effort and money and uh, care uh, to deal with it. Um, And on the nuclear fusion side, it's, you know, as the goose that lay the golden eggs, but it's really hard. Right. I mean, it's it's really, really hard and we're decades away from from getting to where we need to be there. So yeah. to us, uh, it's very simple. I mean, look, and we have the perfect skill to accomplish it. You can either spend hundreds of billions of dollars getting to nuclear fusion over the next 50 years. Or you can start thinking today about how how to poke a hole deeper into the earth. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Yeah. From an industrial logic standpoint, right? Uh, we are sitting above a massive nuclear reactor with enough energy to support humanity for millions a year. And, 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 you know, we just need to work on the technology to have the instruments to allow us to operate at those depths, at the, 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 those temperatures, at those pressures. We need to work on uh, getting those technologies that allow us to actually reach those places. We need to work on technologies to, to convert heat to power in more efficient ways. Uh, but we feel that the opportunity is massive to the extent that you can take some of that historical geographical constraints that geothermal has had, meaning namely being around places that are hot, really close to the earth, to, to the surface. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we're spending a lot of our time and effort on. Yeah, no, that's great. I think, yeah, I think the point that it goes back to just, I mean, you mentioned it with nuclear fusion, but it's, it's kind of similar in the geothermal picture, right? A lot of people I've had on the show already and just kind of one of the themes that has been apparent as I've continued researching and continued to talking to people is this idea of urgency of, of, right, we can't wait till 2030 to then look back and say, oh, I guess we didn't put in enough money or time or or interest in geothermal and now it's too late in the sense that we're, you know, behind the, the eight ball on on development. And so why not, you know, start now, like you said, actually actively saying, okay, we have technologies that have already been developed that basically do the same thing. We just need to now think about it in a different mindset and a different resource of now we're mining heat instead of hydrocarbons, but we're still drilling. We're still doing reservoir engineering, geology, there's subsurface, there's facilities, there's, you know, the modeling of, of what you need economically as a rate and heat. And then, and then after you've gotten out of the ground, there's just so many uses for it that I don't think people really understand, which is also why I'm hoping on, on the show that our listeners are getting an idea that geothermal is a baseload energy source for electricity generation, but it's also a resource that can really truly get us to a more sustainable future with the other, I mean, the list of things that you can apply it to just kind of are too long and probably even some that I don't know about at this point that, you know, it can be used for agricultural uses for, you know, direct direct use with district heating and other things that, you know, places around the world are trying. But, you know, I think it's hard sometimes for people to to see it or understand it fully because you can't actively, you know, you can see a solar panel you can feel the wind blowing and even like the volcanic regions, you understand that they have it like, oh yeah, Iceland, of course they have geothermal. That's just, that's just Iceland. But, you know, getting that out there that no, it exists everywhere, you know, just it depends on 
the depth and obviously there's there's technological advances that still need to happen um but you know i guess with neighbors and your vision of you know being a part of that change you know i want to touch on you guys have obviously invested in some some of the startups that are on the cutting edge of things but then you you know you talked about using the skills and and what you're good at to also apply that to projects and so obviously around the rig and and drilling and so on, on both ends of that you know what's excited you about getting out there and and really like investing and catalyzing the move with the startups and then also you know are, are you working with other projects on the side of of your technology development and using your skill set from a neighbor's point of view to help uh you know yeah. help prove projects up that they can actually work yeah, yeah well look there's there's a ton of parts to the answer uh here uh let me start by noting a couple of things you said that i think are pretty relevant and and and, and you hit it on the, on the head um you know we 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 as humanity quote unquote, kind of Europe, really, um, started spending a significant amount of capital on wind and solar back in the 90s and 2000s, right? That's gotten us to where we are today. We've, we've, we've really did lower the cost of providing and got harnessing that energy and turn it into electricity. But just like you said, it comes with these challenges, right? And, and, and I think that, you know, from a renewable, truly renewable standpoint, it never, ever ends. Uh, from a lack of necessity for energy storage, meaning is on 24-7 for the rest of time. Uh, so you can turn on your lights, whether there's sun or no, whether there's wind or no, it doesn't matter. It's always on. Um, uh, and, and obviously from the lack of requiring mineral mining to develop storage for it, all these other complications. Uh, geothermal is a brilliant solution. Additionally, if you think about like a lot of infrastructure around the world, it already takes steam. Um, like, you know, for example, coal power plants, right? They already take steam to basically move a turbine to generate electricity. So instead of feeding it, instead of feeding it coal, just poke a few holes down around the area, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a lot of synergy with, with infrastructure that exists. Uh, but to your point, it's been done around, historically, it's been done conventionally around areas where uh, there is heat close to the surface, right? Uh, thankfully, there are a few companies out there today that are really revolutionizing the way we should think about this, starting with those that are just simply using more efficient ways of drilling. Um, and, and simply because, you know, and I heard this recently, uh, you know, frankly, if you look at a at a geothermal well a year ago or ten years ago, they look almost the same. Whereas our ability to drill thoughtfully for oil and gas resources has expanded dramatically. So some people are just saying, "Look, how about we just use the learnings of of kind of how how well we drill today to drill for geothermal more efficiently?" Well, that's great. That's you know that further optimization of the system always helps a lot. To me, yeah. um, I, I, we, we wanted to start thinking about how do you truly disrupt energy markets? How do you truly see a solution that could be scaled to, uh, you know, um, to, to the terawatt scale, right? And to me, what you need is truly disruptive technologies that change a paradigm, right? Increase efficiency dramatically beyond what we can do conventionally. 
And as such, we've invested in companies that focus on supercritical fluids, if you will. Yeah. Supercritical fluid being uh, uh, whatever whatever fluid may be uh, that a certain temperature becomes supercritical and allows it to uh, retain an exponentially larger amount of energy per volume of per volume per mass uh, <clears throat> per unit, if you will. Uh, <clears throat> and so, GeoX focused on going deeper using water, supercritical water. Uh, and, and some very interesting technology around heat to power uh, uh, tech. Sage being a company that instead of using water, uses CO2, different technologies that close loop. But all revolves around heat that is beyond uh, what we've normally handled. Obviously, that comes with its challenges, right? That comes with you got to go deeper. That comes with you got to come up with sensors and systems and power and downhole tools and things that withstand such power as you're creating these things. But, you know, things that people are currently, you know, trying to figure out. And we commend any, anybody in the space trying to figure out ways to kind of harness that high heat that we haven't necessarily had to do before in, in those depths. Yeah, uh, we've also made an investment in what we believe to be one of the most disruptive technologies when it comes to drilling technologies. That's Quaze, which mm-hmm. focuses on a different type of drilling and doesn't use a drill bit. It uses millimeter waves uh, to drill deep into the earth. And, you know, their ambitions go being able to drill like past 20 kilometers, you know, 30 kilometers deep, which is something just out, out, like outstanding relative to anything we've ever done in the past as humanity. And so we think that all of these, all of these nascent uh, companies and venture companies are starting to, you know, find a niche, realize that there is a lot of potential if we can crack the nut of potentially providing geothermal anywhere, to your point, finding, doing it independent of heat depth. Um, and, and we're very excited to, to, to figure out a way to give these guys the tools required the assets required, a little bit of the capital required, any, any, you know, the engineering required, the access to R&D required, whatever it is that we can be doing today to help these guys kind of get to the promised land, right? Uh, yeah. Commercialization quicker, prove the point. To your point, uh, we got to start making these investments today because otherwise we're going to turn around in 10 years and um and and realize that we missed a, a very big opportunity by not starting some real investments and real attention to this uh, market opportunity today yeah and i mean it's a it's a point that you touched on but i you know just can't can't pass up every time we're talking about some of these companies that are out there trying to solve the problem is is that it takes pioneering efforts to actually unlock you know, economic energy or, or whatever you, you want to put inside that sentence, you know, anytime our world has advanced, it was because someone took it upon themselves to say, there's got to be a different way of doing this. There's got to be more to this. It's not just, oh, they failed in the past. So let's not ever look at it again. It's, it's one of those things of, yeah, we've made massive strides in oil and gas. I mean, you know, I bring this up quite often on the show, the fact that unconventionals, you know, 10 years ago, no one thought that was possible even to get to that resource. But then you say economically to drill three miles and then put, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of, you know, frack fluids and, and sand down hole and, you know, recover 
IPs over 4,000 barrels a day, people are like, there's no way that that's possible. And mm-hmm. then here we are, you know, today doing it as if that's, I mean, that it's almost the, yeah, it's, it's almost like brushing your teeth. That's how, you know, easy it has become. No, I mean, it's still challenges, but it's, we've oh. worked so far down the cost curve that you can now propose those projects and put them in your business plan without really having to, to worry about the risk. And you can be pretty confident in what you're, you're telling people the return is. And so I look at that with geothermal and I say, okay, yeah, there's been some trials of EGS in the past, or there's been some other exploratory efforts apart from just conventional geothermal. But really the time, if you look more into the stories, the timing was bad. There was just, you know, the, the science wasn't fully there or just, it wasn't fully thought out the way that I think these teams like Sage and and Quays and, and the many many, many more down the list are, are looking at it. They are truly using their experience of problem-solving mines and oil and gas and saying, we're trying to get a resource. We're excavating something out of the ground. We have technologies that exist, but now how do we take those and just optimize them, make them more efficient to where we can do this every day, repeatable over and over again at a economic rate to where we're producing megawatt to tero- to gigawatts to terawatts of geothermal everywhere. And I think it's it's just incredible because their plans and their visions, if they do come true, like you've said, or come to fruition here in the next decade, I mean, it's going to be an incredible thing to be a part of and to watch because it's just going to be that sort of proof that, hey, we've been sitting on this our whole life. We walk around on it every day and now we're, we're tapping it and it's actually providing us, you know, baseload power. And so... I yeah. think it's it's great to see the pioneering and it's great to see companies like neighbors that are that are taking it upon themselves to say how how can we if not directly you know if it is directly great but if not you know how how can we actually play a part and I love seeing all the venture capital funds from the oil and gas services and oil and gas companies that have been formed centered around and it's not just geothermal obviously but centered around the idea of how do we play a part in this energy transition and this, you know, sustainable future without just saying we have these lofty goals, we need to actually put, put our boots on the ground, put money into them. Um, and so that's, that's truly, you know, I, I think that's something that can't go without saying is that, you know, I applaud the efforts of companies like neighbors and, and just the, the initiatives and the urgency that you're taking to say this has to happen today. Um, oh, absolutely. And look, we're, we're, first of all, we're not done. Uh, yeah. Second of all, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, best friend of optimization is repetition. And it's, it's great to see, frankly, that so many people are starting to, starting to give it a chance to listen about it, to, to be willing to think, think, think a look at some potential projects and further optimization that can be done. Over time, we'll get really good at it. Uh, and the potential of cost of providing electricity is going to reduce dramatically. But very importantly, one of the things that, you know, we can't lose sight of, our society is becoming more and more dependent on, on electricity, right? The electrification of everything comes with the fact that now it's of national security importance to make sure that we can actually have electricity all the time whenever we need it and independent of others and disruption, right? Uh, and, and, and it's constant. And so if you think about applications to your point, uh, not only heating, but think about data centers, think about, think about all the, all the critical infrastructure that needs to be independent of, of 
the broader world, like military. Like there, there's so much stuff that we need to we need to have produced baseload power for um, that uh, that we don't necessarily need the supply chain disruptions. Look at the Texas freeze, right? Yeah, um, it's there. And, and by the way, um, these these are obviously all the things that make geothermal the right solution. But also, to be fair, think about the amount of land that you the, the footprint that is required to develop some of these geothermal um, and solutions is, is minimal, right? Let's yeah, yeah. Like if we're going to leave the earth alone, might as well do it all the way, right? Not yeah. Start putting a bunch of solar panels across entire deserts or. Uh, you know, wind farms across massive swaths of land um, and, and the ocean. It's just like, look, if we're going to leave it alone, leave it alone. Uh, and, and we think that geothermal has the potential of being incredibly, uh, very, incredibly low disruption, having incredibly low disruption to really our environment, our world, uh, and provide us with safe, baseload, consistent, uh, efficient, and effective power for generations and generations to come. All we need to do is really pay attention to it. Let's, let's start investing into it. And uh, I'm glad to see, you know, I, 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 venture capital uh, venture capital is finding its way into it, uh, as you can see with investments from Breakthrough and the likes of Kosla and, and others, uh, Chris Anderson and others into the space. It's fantastic. We need more corporate venture capitalists, right? We need people that are willing to put not only money, but expertise. Yeah. To some extent, the energy industry is uniquely positioned. Guys like us are uniquely positioned to deploy solutions, like I said at the beginning, in scale across the planet. And that's what, that's what we need in geothermal. And, you know, frankly, one of the things that I tell everybody that we talk to is, at least at Neighbors, we're focused on not thinking about competition today. Geothermal space needs to be thinking about itself, uh, uh, the, the unconventional, geothermal 2.0, if you will, needs to think of itself as a collaborative space to figure out a way to educate the world, to educate regulators, to optimize its systems, to uh, lower its own costs, to prove its technologies, to, to open up to open up the space for, for all of us. There, there's enough room for all of us to compete 10 years from now. At the moment, we need to be trying to create collaborative uh, portfolios to help grow. And that that's kind of how we're trying to approach our investments here at Neighbors. We make real investments. We put people together like, hey, how can we help you? How can you all help each other in opening up this space and in finding opportunities to deploy your own systems? We're not, nobody, nobody inside our portfolio is competing with each other. Uh, we're here to grow all together. We're here to collaborate with ourselves and others. We need we need to open up this geothermal, unconventional geothermal space. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's huge. That's that's a big point that I really, you know, love to key on is the fact that this is not a a competition floor where we're trying to overtake one energy source or push someone out the door. This is a this is a just a education and awareness of look, geothermal has immense potential, but also even back to the conversation of other renewables, it, it even has potential to work together with solar and wind as you know the idea that I've touched on a few times with other guests, the idea of the thermal battery and storing that energy basically downhole in your geothermal reservoir or well when you when you don't need it and and you know helping to offset some of that, you know, intermittency or wasted electricity or heat. And, you know, I think 
they all will work together. But as we've touched on, you know, is, is geothermal, we have to, to look at it and get it to a place because if we're really going to close the gap that you see in all the forecasts and future energy picture predictions, you know, we're talking, like we've said, terawatts of energy that they're saying will come from renewables. And yeah, if we stay at current pace and, you know, you look at their graphs and charts and geothermal, you can't really even see the color bar. It, it just stays flat to nothing to 1% growth. And then you see solar and wind exponentially grow. And yeah, like you said, I think you have to look at that both from a logical, but also environmental impact that sure, could you grow it to that stage? Maybe you could get to that amount with solar and wind, but then look at the cost of what it'll take, which is all that land use, the environmental impact and, and yeah, geothermal is, you know, I don't even know what percentage, but it is far less of a footprint than what, you know, that those other sources are. And not to mention there's existing infrastructure that can be bolted onto, you know, an oil and gas infrastructure, the coal plants that are being retired. I mean, there's just, there's just uh, too many options to not pay attention to it. And, and I think the, the collaboration is, is huge. Um, and, and I think another point you touched on, which I want to highlight, you know, for the audience is just the fact that, yeah, putting our heads together and really trying to share expertise and knowledge, because I think too often or, or for the, the past history of geothermal, it was kind of a vacuum isolated space where mostly academics were in it. It was mostly science experiment style um, projects. There wasn't necessarily a breadth of like knowledge coming from actual, you know, operating a, a exploration project or a drilling of a well or, or just the, some of the skills that oil and gas is bringing to the table. And so I think it's key that we cross that over and bring in the knowledge sharing and the tech expertise and, you know, actually work together to make it a, a reality because you can't just treat it like a vacuum of, oh, we do what we do over here, but we don't, we don't touch that space because that's not, not related or it's not part of our portfolio. It's like, well, it, it should be. And I, I love that Neighbors is taking that approach of, yes, money is necessary, but the expertise and the skills and just the, the R&D is a huge piece of how you get down the cost curve because if you're not trying to figure out what works best, then, I mean, we'll never get there. We'll just always look at it as some hurdle that you can't overcome. And so yeah. I think that's, you know, with, and again, you know, Quaze is partnering with Alter Rock Resources. You know, there's, you know, Sage is partnering with other, they're, they're, it's great to see the, the efforts are cheering everybody on. And it's not this space of, oh, we're not, you know, this is a proprietary thing just us doing we're not we're not going to let anyone else in on our secret and and so far everyone on the show it's been amazing of you know i don't know i guess i had a, a bad or not i just had a my expectations were oh you know usually startups or, or certain companies don't share a lot of their information out of just you know protection of you know their what they're doing and their research and and you know competition but it's been amazing to see how like open and just excited that all of the people I've had on the show are to say, no, this is what we're doing. And we hope that it works, but we also hope that everyone else that's in this space it has success yeah. so that we can all do this together. Absolutely. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, leadership takes sticking your neck out a little bit, right? Yeah. And doing the things that come unnatural to all of us, uh, type A personality, competing people, trying to kind of grow our slice of the pie. I think what we all recognize in this renaissance of 
uh, geothermal is the fact that the pie is too small still. And we need to continue working and communicating and, and collaborating. You know, I, you know, calling calling on like academics and regulators to your point as research expense, talk to our guys, talk to the CEOs of these companies, try to understand how low we can get our costs of electricity, try to understand uh, how low we can get it, especially including uh, the lack of energy storage required. Try to understand because we're missing out on not providing the help, the subsidies, the grants. We're, we're, we're missing out on a massive opportunity, right? You look at all research reports and things like that, and all, all reports commissioned, um, and, and geothermal always plays a small part. And I think it's because people are not understanding how low we can actually get the cost of safe based on electricity into the world. Uh, We just put our minds together and kind of based on the plans that people have. And so, like I said, we're not done. Uh, We're happy with what we've done so far. We're very focused on supporting each one of the companies in our portfolio here and, 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 and helping them kind of, you know, kick years out of their development timeframes and commercialization timeframes. We're excited about talking to others in this space. We're excited to collaborate with others. We wish utilities listen to more of these guys because honestly, you know, if I'm five years out from having the perfect solution, that's about as long as it takes anyway to develop other big infrastructure solutions, right? So let's start everybody in the utility space and others. We need to start making these investments today. We need to give it a shot. Like I said, leadership sometimes Take, sometimes takes sticking your neck out a little bit. Uh, yeah. and, and I think we owe it to our planet. We owe it to our environment. We owe it to our energy sufficiency. We owe it to uh, our country, to our world, really, to, 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 to stick our necks out a little bit for something that makes a lot of industrial logic. And now we have science behind it. And you have highly motivated teams uh, in, 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 in people and management and incredibly thoughtful people really working to find uh, all the solutions that will get us to the promised land. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, we touch on it from a company sense and even from a startup sense or just, a, you know, from, you know, neighbors perspective and other companies. But I, I think that the leadership and sticking your neck out really is a, it applies to, you know, our, our, federal and governmental policy creation, the regulatory picture, all of those other areas, because there's just a way that things have been done or a comfortability with how we do things or just a, a, a lack of wanting to kind of push out and explore beyond what we know or kind of push the boundaries or work with, like you said, these companies to understand, okay, oil and gas has a, has a very well-oiled machine when it comes to regulatory. They know they, they've worked around it for so long. They've built this program. We've got the Railroad Commission in Texas. We've got other, you know, there, there's, there's things built around it because we understand what needs to be done to still remain safe in operation, but also get projects done in a timely fashion, right? Because I've heard that some of the geothermal projects from a regulatory sense can take three to five years to get a, a permit for an exploration well or a, or a first-time project. And in my head, I'm saying, why why in the world would it take that long for a geothermal permit when in oil and gas you know, I can go put a permit in for a new well in a matter of weeks or or max you know a couple months I'm ready to go 
and and I just have to make sure I've done the necessary you know requirements by the regulatory commission. So I think that's a huge thing in my opinion that there needs to be more collaboration on that front also to say, hey, work with us. How can we help you? What do we need to understand about actually how you operate? What do your surface facilities require? What is going into drilling a geothermal well? Or if you're just retrofitting a well, what are you doing to that well? Do we need to know anything? Do we need to put special regulations in place to help speed this up slash protect our environment? And then, you know, from the federal standpoint, subsidies have helped solar and wind a bunch. You can't not look at that, that they've had subsidies that have helped them get to where they are. And and I think geothermal you know, could be in that same position with some subsidies and help from that side of things. But oh, even with that, you know, we barely even need it, you know, barely even need it, right? Because they yeah. are there. And this is, this is, I can't tell you how many reports and analysis and predictions of future energy sources, if you will, and energy mix come from by looking at the subsidized costs, first of all, comparing things across subsidized costs, excluding the cost of storage. And looking at the lowering of cost of electricity by solar and wind and others over the last 20 years and continue to apply that trend into the future relative to geothermal. It's like, well, you can't do that, right? Like, yeah, you know, we haven't spent the amount of time. We haven't gotten as good at drilling as in the past as we will in the future. We, I mean, there's a nascent, there's a nascency to this that can be materially disruptive. And we think we're just at the beginning. We hope people start seeing it because if you start really incorporating how good we can get it with geothermal, I think it'll break a lot of people's models. I think, uh, yeah. I think people realize that the side, the our slice of the pie should be massive. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and it has a significant amount of potential. So look, we're early. Uh, we're, we're early. We are focused. We believe we're sticking our necks out a little bit, right? Or at least I am. Um, and, 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 and we believe that, uh, we can make a difference. Um, and so we're hoping, and, and, you know, like I said at the beginning, we're, we're making investments across energy transition, but we're spending time across energy transition and other fuel sources and emission reducing technologies, etc. Uh, but this one to me is very dear to my heart. I mean, it's a bit, yeah, I spent time. I spent, I have spent time, I think, at this point with most every single uh, management team out there uh, in, in the space, um, in the unconventional geothermal, geothermal to point space, however you want to call that. And I love the energy. I love the passion. Uh, and uh, I feel if we only, we only focus and, and, and get our message consistently, I think we, we have a lot of power to disrupt. Yeah, I think getting the message out there and getting the correct narrative out to the public and and helping people understand more truly what it provides. And, and that's why I think the the personal touch, the saying, you know, you can have heat or, or cooling your home whenever, or don't worry about a freeze or, or you know, if the electric grid's having trouble, geothermal is always on. And I, I think once you start seeing some of those successes, which you, I mean, they're, they're out there. And I think, but as it gains a little more traction and people can, can have a tangible experience in their own life to say, oh, this is what, geothermal is or oh this building that i work in downtown's heated by geothermal or this process that i've you know i went to this brewery or distillery that's using geothermal to do their process you know simple things that that seems so small but there are breakthroughs happening all over the globe that are showing the you know how just how wide and far geothermal can be used to truly upend our view on 
energy use and how we become more sustainable and how we can even change communities, in my opinion. I think there's a piece of it that goes beyond just the energy picture. You know, there's countries around the world that, you know, where majority of those people have no access to daily normal functions, whether that's electricity or even hot water or don't even have like food most times of year because of the harsh environments they live in. And, you know, I was talking to a company in Zambia that that is trying to solve that problem by producing electricity, but then cascading the energy down further in the cycle to use every ounce of that heat to do something for that community and then ultimately employing those people and creating consumers. And so I think the picture is, to me, that's what gets me so excited. And I just, I want to convey that to everyone else because I'm just like, this is, we're sitting on a, I mean, I don't even know what to use the words of. I mean, we're sitting on a gold mine, which is not gold. We're sitting on just a, a, an amazing resource uh, for our our future. And, you know, I think, yeah, the cost stuff you've talked about, we'll get, we'll get there and we're, we're there, you know, we're putting efforts towards it. We need more, we need more investment, more R and D, more time and energy, but it we'll, we'll get there just as we have with oil and gas and, and other energies that we've worked towards lowering the cost. But even recently there was an announcement from Alterock with the super hot rock project. And, and they're predicting that the cost could become as low as two cents a kilowatt hour. So, I mean, you have to look at that as well, if that becomes scalable or, or even used in certain locations, that's competitive. I mean, that's that's an energy source that needs to be taken seriously. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, look, Sage actually just announced, uh, for instance, that they got a grant from the Air Force to explore uh, to yeah. really studies around Ellington, right? Um, and that, that, that type of stuff is so exciting to me. And, yeah. you know, if, if I have a message to give, to solve a lot of these problems, all we got to do is poke a hole a little deeper. Yep. Uh, and I said a little deeper because the earth is way too big. And we're not talking about going to the center of the earth. Here. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. We're just talking, you know, just the yeah. seven to 10 kilometers. Absolutely. And even, I mean, and hopefully beyond, but yeah, it, it doesn't take, you know, we're not talking about a hundred thousand foot well at this point to make things, <laughs> you know, reality. It's, uh, but I mean, I was talking with, uh, Carlos from Quays, and we're talking about the idea of, you know, not in an economic sense, right? But there is, there are deep boreholes that have been drilled as part of the Iceland project and, and in Russia. Like we have proven in human, like in our time frame of living that we can drill to these depths. Now, obviously it, that wasn't in an economic business sense. Those were research, but uh, you know, it's, it's there for showing, look, we, I mean, it's possible. Now Quays is looking to totally turn that upside down on its head and use an amazing, innovative technology to try and make it super efficient and way less expensive to be able to reach depths that no one thought would be commercially accessible. So, I mean, I just, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to see all the efforts and the people that are that are you know really smart individuals, but also like you said, just passionate uh, people about the future of it. They're passionate about it, and and in my mind, when you see it and you talk to these people, it's not some fake uh, passion or just some uh, you know I don't know. It's not something that doesn't really mean it. I mean, when you meet with these people and talk with them, it's they fully believe that geothermal is on the verge of a massive 
breakthrough and and it's you know as as people are calling it the geothermal decade is upon us i hope so i certainly certainly hope so we will yeah. do anything in our power to make that be the case yeah no i i and i mean and that's great i love that um you know i think that's a huge a huge piece um but you know i've i have enjoyed hearing from you and and i love you know the fact that you know, you're looking at a bunch of things, which I also am a proponent for. This podcast obviously is focused on geothermal, but I, you know, I'm a proponent for all of the amazing things that are coming out and the people that are trying to tackle this problem and spending their days and time and and money and effort on on trying to create a sustainable future that gets us to those net zero goals. Um, so, I mean, can't can't beat that. That you know, you have. The resources that you do, and and even inside of our companies, I'm I'm excited to see Oxy and Shell and BP and Total and and Chevron. I mean, all the all I can I probably will forget all of them. If I try to list it, but it's exciting. It's exciting to see efforts being made to go beyond just the status quo or just doing what you're used to and saying how do we how do we make a difference? How do we use our assets and our skills and our expertise? And how do we take this global to be a part of this? you know, transition and this diversification of our energy portfolio. So it's a, it's a big piece. Um, but yeah, no, I've enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I think, you know, really at, at this point we've, you know, we've covered some ground and I, and I hope the the listeners have, you know, gotten a better picture of just, just how important it is that we start today and, and take some urgency upon ourselves to, to really, Put effort in and, and time and money, uh, and that comes from private sector, federal, regulatory. But ultimately, it's it comes down to collaboration. And I hope that that is what the message is getting out there, and, and hope that people are are truly getting a, a better feel for just what geothermal is um, and the efforts that are going on out there. Um, and so, well, listen, Nick, I, I commend you for the work you're doing. I think um, we need more people like you. Um, we need more people are out there advocating for what uh what i think we all see to be disruptive and uh we, yeah. we need disruption in the energy industry because the current solutions of renewable energy they're amazing but they're not enough yeah uh, no, can't stop can't stop now exactly exactly yeah no well, i appreciate that and and honestly just trying to yeah i think it's an intrinsic you know thing inside of me that is just pushing for both the, like you said, the sticking your neck out there to say, I think this deserves some, some effort behind this. And I've grown passionate about it and, and love seeing the passion in the space. And I think there's just something, I mean, I think there's something inside all of us, but ultimately I've felt it too, is just let's, why do it the same that we have and not try and do something different and create a, a better, more sustainable future for those that come after us, our kids, their kids, and just continue down the line if we want to just use what the earth has already given us uh, and and take advantage of the energy that it's provided. We've done that with oil and gas and other sources, but now why not? It's geothermal's time. I mean, it's it's there for us to access and it's clean and, and it's, it's powerful. I mean, you hear stories of going by those wells that are producing that much and the ground is shaking. So I think it's, it's an awe-inspiring resource nonetheless. But before we close, I always do, this is my, my version of connecting even more with the audience on just a, you know, personal level of a little more about Guillermo, which is not anything, uh, didn't have to study for these, I promise, but I just go on a rapid fire 
questions uh, to end our talk. And so really, uh, yeah, no, it's, don't worry. They're, they're, they're very simple. I just do it at the end with no preparation because I feel like it gives a, the, not the, just the raw whatever's on the top of your head. So first one is just from your perspective and your time in career and, and what you've gotten to experience, what's a piece of advice that you would leave or impart on a either college student studying and unsure of what they want to do and or a early career person who either feels kind of stuck or just unsure of what the path forward holds. Stick your neck out. Don't be afraid. Yeah, that, that's a good one. We Yeah, I think that's... I think that's key with, um, man, I can even resonate with that right now as we're talking about just the podcast of, of just, and my own career. But I think it's, uh, sometimes it's scary or feels like there's no, uh, you may not receive, uh, you know, may not do anything, but, uh, I've been blown away by just what has come of, of even just sticking my neck out there to do the podcast. So I resonate with that. Um, and then uh second one is, is across your time and in, in career and in work, what would be a, you know, one of your most favorite or just the fondest memories that you have, either location or project or just, you know, anything in, inside of that space? I tell you, I, I, this is the most exciting job I've ever had. Um, that, and, and I, don't, I, I really do mean that. I think this is the most exciting time in our industry, energy industry. Uh, I think it's an exciting seat to have. I think we have a chance to change a lot of things about the way we produce energy, not just geothermal, but broadly. Uh, and it's a pivoting time for our company and for our business, and it's super excited to be part of it. Uh, I guess the other exciting time I really had, I cherish, and I think I told you a little bit about it the first time we talked, uh, spent about nine months camping in, in Africa for like sabbatical after being a banker for so many years. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Uh, that kind of brought me back. Being a human after being a banker for so long, so <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you you came back and that now you're doing this and you're and you're enjoying it. So that's that's great. Um, but yeah, and then the last one that we'll leave with everyone is just a a book recommendation that you have. It can be an all time favorite, it can be a recent one. It doesn't have to be uh, related to anything that we've we've talked about. Just a, which one? Atlas Shrug. Yeah. I think relevant in today's world, a lot of this energy transition also requires discipline. Yeah. And there's a lot of people thinking that they have discovered Reardon metal out there. Uh, and, and it's important that we learn how to distinguish and that we are disciplined in our capital provider. We don't want, we don't want this to turn into a fad again, like it did in the night climate. Yeah. Right. We, we want this to be sustainable, which requires discipline. And so, worth reading. Anyway, thank you so much, Nick, for this time. Thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful conversation. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Congratulations, man. I really appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Hope you all are having a, a wonderful day wherever this catches you. And again, uh, make sure that you go and subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star rating. And until next time, everyone take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you.